So we, we kind of know that jazz was born in New Orleans and um, you probably connected to the 1920s and so forth, but the roots of it, and that's what's so interesting, the roots of it are in the black church and how the black church functioned in that idea of uh, call and response, call and response. We did a little bit, uh, Andrew led us in that in uh, our worship this morning, this idea of the leader saying something and then we respond. The leader says something and we respond. That's the root, that call and response, that, that experience in the black church that is at the root of jazz music. And the other thing is the soul. And that was, that was worth the price right there. When he talked about this idea of you don't know what's coming at you as a musician in a jazz band, but when they throw it to you, you start playing. And you don't even know what's coming out of you. And then he said this, but what's coming out of you is what's inside of you. What's coming out of you is what's inside of you. So you may be thinking about the Easter message and the question that I said is really important to us here at Hope, and that's, so what? Like, why are we talking about jazz? And the answer is, we're not talking about jazz. We're going to talk about jazz, but it's not about jazz. We're talking about, over the next five weeks, what it means to be a disciple, to be a follower of Jesus. And we're going to be looking at that over the next, like I said, five weeks and try to describe it using, at times, this metaphor of jazz. So why jazz? A little backstory on that. Um, we were in a worship uh, or a preaching planning meeting uh, about a year ago, actually. And one of the things we do in those preacher pl preaching planning meetings, there's five or six of us uh, who participate in that, three times a year. One of the things that we do is we, we have a creative time of just thinking about um, and pitching ideas for future series. And so we were talking about this idea of we, we need to do a series on discipleship. And as we were kind of thinking about and talking about that and so forth, the idea of jazz came out. And frankly, I got <laughs> jazzed about jazz. And um, so I, I was kind of riffing on that, and Randy Peterson picked up on that, and we were riffing on that, and we were the only two. Um, this was not really flying. I, they were just saying, like, you need to go offline and talk about that more. And so we have been. We've been uh, talking on a regular basis about jazz. Neither of us are, are jazz experts by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, I didn't really even like jazz all that much until the last few years as I've begun to think about, listen to uh, jazz music, then read about and listen to jazz artists talk about that, that form of music and really began to appreciate the complexity of it and the spontaneity of it and, and, uh, and really the beauty of that uh, expression of music and the, and the freedom and spontaneity of it. We talk about discipleship a fair amount here at Hope Church. If you've been here a while, you have certainly heard us 
talk about discipleship. We say that the church's whole job is to make disciples. That's not a new idea. We didn't make that up. Jesus said, your job is to go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I will be with you even to the end of the age. Our job is to make disciples. We have a definition of a disciple. And again, if you've been around for any period of time, you've heard us talk about a disciple is a person who is in the process of being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ for the sake of others, right? So we have a definition of discipleship. But the reality is, that's not a common word in our culture. You don't often hear somebody talking about a disciple. And so what is it? What does that mean? What does that look like? I want you to hold that thought for a second, and I want to ask you this question. Have you ever had, in your life, have you ever had a mentor? Have you had a mentor? A mentor is someone that you look up to. Somebody who um, has perhaps taken an interest in you. Somebody who set an example that you appreciated and, and you wanted to follow. In some cases, you may have a mentor who you don't know personally and doesn't know you at all. You know? Kids, the reason they look up to professional athletes or professional musicians or actors and so forth is there's something about that individual that inspires them and they begin to watch and observe what that person does and they become a kind of mentor. I was really fortunate as a young man in my, uh, in my early 20s of having identified three mentors. I didn't call them mentors necessarily, um, but these were three people who um, I admired. I've talked about all of them before. One was an uncle of mine who also was a marriage and family therapist. One was the senior pastor of a large church, and the third was a CEO of a large and growing business. And for different reasons, each one of these three were people that I admired, men that I admired, and, um, and so I began to observe them and listen to them, not just when I was with them just one-on-one, -on -one, but when we were in groups together and I would be around them, observing how they operated and the things that they said, I would ask them questions. I would float ideas and thoughts that I had by them to see what their response was. And, and over time, not on purpose, it wasn't that I said I want to imitate them, but I began to notice that in some ways in my life that things that I was hearing and seeing in them, I began to hear and see in myself. This approach to learning is described by some as praxis. Praxis. It's just a, another way of saying practice. It's learning while doing. It's learning along the way. Right? Mentors help us learn along the way. So what did Jesus say when he invited someone to be his disciples? Follow me. Come follow me. 
Observe what I do. Listen to what I say. Ask me questions. And begin to imitate the things that I do. What he didn't say was, hey, come to my institute. And I'm going to give you 37 steps to a spiritual life. Read these pamphlets. Read these books. Read these articles. Listen to these podcasts. He just said, follow me and learn from me. And as you imitate me, you'll begin to experience the abundant life. It's important for us to understand, it's important for you to understand, and really what I'm doing this morning is just kind of laying, setting the table for this series that we're going to be uh, doing over the next five weeks, okay? So we're setting the table, which is appropriate because it's communion, so setting the table is a good thing for us to do. So Jesus didn't come into the world in order to reform Judaism. Jesus came into the world to bring a new covenant from God. A new way of doing life that pleases God. So the context in which he was doing all of this was a religion that was filled with rules and laws and requirements. And Jesus said, we're going to shift from that. This new covenant is shifting away from laws and rules and so forth into a grace-based faith. You have been saved by grace through faith. And this not on your own. It's a gift from God. It's grace. And then what Jesus said as he was bringing this new covenant was, you don't put new wine into what? Old wineskins. Why? Because when you put the new wine into these old skins, it will burst the wineskin and you'll destroy both the old skin and the new wine. What Jesus was saying is, this new thing that I'm bringing isn't going to be put into the old systems. The old system's based on law and sacrifice. It's a new thing, and it's going to have new expressions. So let's talk about the context. Because things happen and come out of a context, right? Jazz music. What was the context for jazz music? Well, jazz music... Its earliest roots, its earliest beginnings date back to the end of the 19th century. Okay, so at the end of the 19th century, we have the emancipated African slaves in America. Now African American. And they have this newfound freedom. And as their expressing themselves in all different kinds of way, including through the music that they play, they begin to experiment with these new sounds, these new ways of making music. And it is very different. And it's free-sounding, it's joyful-sounding, 
It's a reflection of their experiences, as we've said, in the church. That's the context in which they are presenting this music. And then as it began to develop and mature into now the early part of the 20th century, it's being played in, you know, speakeasies and bars and so forth where, where people are open to these new styles of music. And it begins to take root not just in the South and in New Orleans, it begins to spread around the country and into Europe. And others who don't share their context or their experience, these freed African people, are hearing this expression of music and they're getting excited about it. For some, it was, I'm sure, abhorrent, you know, like that's not music. But others who are hearing this are thinking, wow, what is this? I love this new sound. For Jesus, he came into a context in which the faith, the Jewish faith, was based on rules and laws that you were supposed to follow. It was a very different religious culture than we experience today. Right? And it was a culture that was rule-bound. Right? I mean... Think about that. Moses gave ten commandments. Ten commandments. By the time Jesus came along, those ten commandments had 619 laws around them. All of these rules, all of these requirements around these commandments that people were expected to follow. Can you imagine how overwhelming that must have been? If I were to say to you folks, you know, like, all right, if you want to be a good person who God is going to love, here's 619 things that you have to do or not do. And I'll be watching. And I'll have others watching. And if you get it wrong, we're going to be telling you about it. And there may be fines involved if you get it wrong right? Into that context, hear these words of Jesus. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus said, friends, I'm bringing a new song. It's a new sound. It's a new covenant. And I'll bet that to hear that, it sounded joyful and free and moved people. Moved people in a new direction. So following Jesus means, listen to this, means that the rigors of religion are being replaced by the rhythms of the Spirit. Following Jesus means replacing the rigors of religion with the rhythms of the Spirit.
One of the features of jazz music is improvisation, right? So it's what he was talking about in that clip. So the band is playing, they throw it to one of the soloists who's listening to this music, who's, who's absorbing this music, and who begins to play and riffing on what they hear, what they're feeling, what's going on inside of them, and just putting it out there, this improvisation. And it's what makes jazz jazz. It's one of the things that makes it so um, exciting, so impactful. It's why it's best live. Because every time you go, you may hear the same song night after night after night, and it's going to be different every night because of this improvisation. It's a very present kind of artistic expression. So Jesus, in showing the disciples this new covenant, this new song, if you will, is saying to the religious leaders, God's doing a new thing. And we're responding to what God is doing. And it got him into trouble all the time. So, for example, he was constantly criticized about his disobedience to Sabbath laws. Right? So, the commandment is, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Six days you work, and on the seventh day you will what? You'll rest. That was the commandment. But then they began to create all of these laws about what it means to work and what it means to rest and what you should do and what you should never do and how much and how many. And law upon law upon law until it lost all connection with what it was supposed to be, which was about rest and comfort. And now it becomes a burden. And so what did Jesus say to the Pharisees? Look, God made the Sabbath for people, not people for the Sabbath. It needs to be freer. We need to be more willing and able to improvise, to listen and follow the Spirit. Jesus didn't reject the Sabbath. Jesus brought it back to what the Sabbath was supposed to be all along. So religion says, follow the rules. Do this, don't do that. Jesus invites his followers into following the Spirit. Paul picked up on this and in Galatians chapter 5 said keep in step with the spirit keep in step with the spirit about 15 years ago I um, took a sabbatical took a month um, and it was a time of study and reflection and and on Sundays, while I was on this sabbatical, I would went to different churches uh, to their worship services and um, was really missing this place. And after four weeks of that, I was really excited uh, my first Sunday back to be in the worship space. And as I was here in, in uh, the service, 
I was surprised. It felt stale to me. The worship felt stale. And so I, you know, I, I've grown to, you know, recognize the prompts of the Holy Spirit. So I thought, all right, well, this is a prompt of the Spirit. This is a time for us to change the template of how we do worship here at Hope. And so we called together a group of creative people and said, you know, hey, it's, we feel like it's time for us to change the template. So let's, let's work together and create a new template for worship here at Hope. And uh, within, you know, the first 15 or 20 minutes, we got really bogged down. And the more we talked, the more bogged down we got. And I was getting more and more frustrated. Like, what is wrong? Why can't we do this? And we were just about, I was done. And just about, you know, like, go away. I'm done with you people. Um, I have no idea. I don't know what we're supposed to be doing. And, uh, and Marilyn Bills said, well, why is it that we feel like we need to create a template? Why don't we treat each Sunday as kind of a white page? And based on what the message or the series are going to be about, we can organize the worship service around that and do it each week. And it was like a light bulb went off. Like, can you do that? Honestly, we're like, I, I, can you do that? I mean, people come in with expectations. They, you know, this is what... It should sound like one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two. That's what they expect every Sunday, that one, two, three, one. Now we're talking about it's going to be different every week. One, two, three, one, two, three, three, two, one, three, two. Uh, you know, like, I don't know. What. <laughs> Chaos. <laughs> wow. But all of a sudden it was like, we, this would be great. This makes it more spontaneous, doesn't it? This makes it more in keeping with the Spirit. And so that's what we've been doing ever since. That we put together these series and then uh, our worship team, Andrew and Marilyn and others, kind of put together what the outline of the service will be. And then every Tuesday, the worship planning group gets together and we look at what they've done and sometimes we say that's great other times we move things around add things take things out there's a winsomeness to it there's a spontaneity to it it's jazz God is always doing a new thing friends God is always doing a new thing Go back to the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah, hearing from God, wrote these words down. It's from Isaiah's, uh, the book of Isaiah, the 43rd chapter, verses 18 and 19. Listen to what it says. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Being a follower of Jesus is not learning a laundry list of rules and regulations and laws and things to do and don't do. It's about learning the rhythms of the Spirit. 
and learning to play along. Now, if that's leaving you scratching your head, like, what are you even talking about right now? What does that even look like? If that's your question, I've got four weeks, all right? You need to commit to the next four weeks, and let's unpack that together. What does that look like? What does that sound like? What does that mean that I need to do? But it's very much in the moment. 